Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, on this episode of Brotherhood of Fatherhood, I have Kale Owen. Kale has quite the background. He was a former professional baseball player. He uh, has recently taken on the role of CEO for Gym Launch. And if you don't know what Gym Launch is, whether you're in the gym world or not, you owe it to yourself to look into it because there's so many amazing sales and business things that have come from it. Uh, he literally, Gym Launch literally helps gym owners make an ungodly amount of money, which I think is phenomenal. <laughs> He's married uh, to his best friend, Maggie, and uh, who also works at Gym Launch, which is really cool. And he's got two insane kids, kids at his own words, Rose and Jackson. And he is residing in the oldest city in the US and enjoys the slower beach lifestyle. Welcome to show, Kale. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, we've, uh, we've got a lot of really cool things to talk about. In my opinion, I think uh, our listeners should should buckle up because there's, I know right now, I can say right now, there's going to be some insanely cool things we're going to talk about that a lot of people don't talk about. And uh, there'll be a lot of takeaways and whether or not you relate to the content now, you will at one point in your life. So that's, that's at least what I have to say. So uh, I was super excited when we talked because you said something to me, Kale, in another interview that that really struck a chord. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like it's not um, something that many men either acknowledge or understand or embrace. And so I, I actually love that someone else has some passion around it, but, but uh, first, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family before we kind of dive into that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, like you mentioned, uh, I'm married to hands down my best friend, uh, my partner in life, the person that I would rather spend more time with than actually go golf or do other things. So maybe I'm weird for that. I don't know, but, um, I happen to work with her. We are both executives in two different companies. So we also have that dynamic and we both work from home. So we are literally hanging out together every day. And then we have two beautiful, um, incredible, insane psycho kids, um, that I love dearly. Um, Rose and Jackson. Rose is a spitting image of her mother, which I'm very thankful for. And Jackson also looks like her, which I'm very thankful for, but they both have incredible personalities and um, they're also insanely just crazy. They're very hard to deal with right now, but what age are they at right now? So Rose is going to be seven in June and Jackson just turned four. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Right in the, right in the thick of it. Yeah. Uh, you are in the thick of it. And, and I'll, I'll offer some, when we kind of get it, go down that road, I'll offer some, um, some projections into what happens as they get into different ages, because I think that's a really important thing to talk about too. I would love that. Yeah. 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 So, um, you said something just now, and it's really kind of lead to the topic that I wanted to talk about with you and you want to talk about is that your wife is your best friend. And before people, before men just shut this off, like I, don't actually enjoy my wife or we're not doing well together. I, I want to invite them to kind of come into this with an open mind because you are hearing from two guys, myself and Kale, who, who consider our wives our absolute best friend. And I'm the same way. I would rather, I love mountain biking. I love snowboarding. I love nature. Like I, I love doing those things, 
but I'd rather spend time with my wife. I'll choose her over those spending time any, any day of the year. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just the way I operate. I don't know that most people feel that way, but I want to set that aside because I think with the right mindset, men will get there. Yeah. Without right? a doubt. Yeah. Yes. Without a doubt. I would say who you choose to marry is the biggest decision of your life because it will, it will affect every aspect of your life, both physical, mental, personal development, professional development. It has, it will either take a toll or it will be the launching pad for your success, no matter what. Um, and so for me, I was very fortunate enough to find the person who we connected perfectly together. Um, and we don't, we're not perfect or weren't perfect in the beginning, but I will say that like we have, we consistently and intentionally work on a daily basis to maintain both the friendship, the love and the drive to become better and grow together. Yeah. Yeah. And let's, let's kind of dive right into that because I think a lot of people are going to say, well, my wife doesn't you know, the, the first thing that I typically hear is, well, my wife's naggy or she's never happy with me or those. I kind of want to set that aside. And, and with that kind of response in mind, kind of challenge you with it, because I know what my answers are, but I'd love to hear what you say for guys who are like, well, like, it's not worth it. My wife X, Y, Z. Can I give you a cheat code? Yep. Here's the problem. Most people, when people, we, we, as guys, we hear, yeah, the key to a healthy relationship is communication cool. We get that. Like guys for us, most of the time for us guys, we like very direct communication. So here's what we did. Here's what my wife, Maggie and I do. We have literally what we call cheat codes. And what we did is we sat down and we line out, what are the things that I want from her, AKA need from her? And what are the things that she needs from me in order to feel loved, appreciated, and to have a happy, healthy relationship there? This is no holds barred. So when you sit down on this, you have to really go into it with the mindset of like, you can talk about the deepest, darkest things that you need. You can talk about the most minimal things. It could be something that you may not even think is a big thing, but for them, it's massive. And so I can give examples if you want. I can give examples of things that like that are key for us in order to maintain this level and love of love and appreciation so that you're not having this nagging thing. Because what happens is, in my opinion, most relationships go into it with this forethought that both sides can read each other's minds. Right. Right. And they sit there and they're like super frustrated on, I don't know why this person isn't doing this. I don't know why he doesn't put the seat down on the toilet. I've told him a million times or Maybe you haven't told him a million times, or he doesn't take the trash out. I don't know why he just doesn't do it. Or I don't know why he just doesn't do this. Or I don't know why she keeps nagging at me or keeps telling me all these things Or I feel like I'm not appreciated for the things that I do do to help this family grow and be successful and be able to provide for this family. Problem is, is that both people have expectations that aren't clearly communicated. And if they're not clearly communicated, you have no ground to stand on and you have nowhere to go. Right. And so just like in business, if I don't have goals and I don't have expectations of where I need to go and expectations on how I'm actually going to get there, then I'm not going to be successful. I'm flying blind. And so most people, in my opinion, that are struggling in their relationships are flying blind. And so what they need to do is sit down and have a very transparent, open conversation about what it is that they want in the relationship and what they need in the relationship to feel loved as an individual. Because if you actually join forces together, as Maggie is my partner in life and my best friend, I really want to make her happy. And so whatever she tells me, I don't really care what she tells me. I'm going to do it because if that's what makes her happy, that's going to make me happy. So she could tell me the craziest thing in the world, but like, I don't care because I'm going to try to do it to the best of my ability to please her and to create a better relationship. 
This is really good. Um, so I've talked a lot about love languages, which I don't yeah. think I've ever even read the book, but you can go take the test online and it's pretty clear. It's pretty, it's pretty. So my wife and I are complete opposites. Like I, yeah. I mean, if you, if you looked at what a man should, should typically should want and what a woman should typically would want, I would fall on the other side. And I have a lot of friends that fall on the other side. I love, I love the touch, the affection, mm-hmm. like, and she's like uh service acts of service and, and gifts. <laughs> like, so if I don't, rub your butt all the time. It doesn't like turn you on. She's like, no. yeah, right. <laughs> but, exactly. it, but, but what I like about this is it goes so much deeper. And I think right. this is a, a really strong key to a really good marriage. Cause my wife and I kind of have that, like mm-hmm. that love languages thing was kind of a start starting place. We're like, Hey honey, I'm not feeling like, remember that I, I like touch. <laughs> so like ding, 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 just keep that in mind. That goes a long way for me. And the funny thing is, is for a couple of weeks, sometimes a month, sometimes however long, she's awesome at it. And it, I know that she's doing it intentionally. And I almost there's almost like a superpower to that. And we get even more connected. But boy, taking that to a place where you have like these cheat codes, like I'm going to give you the code to success for me. Yes. What it does is it fulfills one of the one of the 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 things that I've talked about. I called it the hundred percent principle, which whatever you can name it, whatever you want, but. I believe uh, as a man in a, in a marriage, you should be focused on giving hundred percent to your wife, not worried about what she's going to give. Yes, like, absolutely. And, and how do you do that? You ask her exactly how to fulfill that. Absolutely. I would challenge any man right here. And I've actually done this with friends who are in that situation where they've brought up the idea of doing cheat codes to their wives and their wives are like, I can't do that. That's way, that makes me way too uncomfortable. And I challenge them to do it themselves without any thought. So it's like, cool, no problem. You don't have to do it for me. The expectation is not there. My request is I want to serve you better in this relationship and I want to please you. So what I would like for you to do is just list out the things that I can do that will make you happy in exact, like be very precise with this. This is very important. So here's an example, like with us, my wife tells me, she's like, I never want to touch the trash ever. I never, if I have to take out the trash, it pisses me off. Mm. It's not the gas. It's not pumping gas or anything like that. I do that automatically. Anyway, she's like the trash. I don't want to touch the trash. And I'm like, cool. You're never touching the trash again. Is that all I needed to know? Like, that's it. She's like, now there are more things, but it's like, I never want to touch the trash. Right. Another thing for her is like, we're very busy. We're very, we do a lot of things. She's like once a month, I want you to take care of a date night. I want you to cover everything, including getting the babysitter, getting the restaurant, taking care of everything. So I don't have to think about it. I'm like, cool. Now, do I do that every time? Not all the time. Thankfully I have an executive assistant right now that helps a lot with that. So like, but either way we get that covered. Right. And so it's being intentional about those times. Also another thing for her is quality time. She likes to just spend time together. So it's making sure that every week we have a date night, no matter what, no exceptions, just us two. We go on a date. It doesn't have to be something crazy. Like one time we just took a, during COVID, everything was shut down. We took my truck, parked it downtown, which is right on an inlet. We parked it downtown. We got food to go. I set up a table and a chair and we sat on the truck bed in beautiful weather right there on the water and just had dinner right there. I she's like, that was my favorite date. Yeah. I tell people, go back to your dating days. Like I, I dated my wife in high school. So we have a long history. And what would I do? I'd be like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go park in a parking lot and we're going to talk. So, I mean, and, and so during COVID I did the same thing. You did it. You did it way better than I did, but I'm like, <laughs> Okay, I don't have a lot of cash flow at this moment. And, you know, we're kind of limited on how far we can go. So I drove her a mile down the road. She didn't know where we we're going. I'm like, we're just going for a drive, parked in a church parking lot. And we sat there and we we looked at 
we looked out the window and we talked no devices for like an hour and a half and it was super romantic. It was super awesome. It's just simply going back to maybe some of the root things you used to do. Uh-huh. But, uh, but <clears throat> I love the fact that a conversation, like I never want to touch the, the trash again, because what happens in a, in a lot of conversations, which I think you'd agree with is the wife hates touching. Let's just use her as an example. She hates doing the trash. There's automatically, if you don't do it on the timing or if she thinks it's full and you, you're not doing it, there's automatically human behavior to, to have resentment, mm-hmm. whether you've communicated or not. Even if you've never said it to them, I hate touching it. There's going to be resentment built up and then that's a wedge. Yep. And it's like, why, why didn't you know this? And so what's interesting though, is my wife is amazing. And this happens as you begin to build and you begin to establish trust, like true trust in relationships is that the trash may be full, right? To the point where, yes, it's full and she'll open it. To this day, since we started, she never says a word to me because she knows that I've proven every day and I've built trust every day that even though it is full, I am going to take it out and you will never have to touch that. And so like some people are like, yeah, my wife's always reminding me to do all this stuff. She doesn't because she because I've proven over time that I will fulfill on the promise that I made her when we established this, these agreements. Yeah. I would argue that anytime you feel like your wife is nagging, it's because she doesn't feel heard. You haven't proven yourself. Absolutely. She doesn't trust you. Right. Because you haven't proven the fact of like, Hey, I'm actually going to do this. And here's another, here's, I want to hit on one. Can I go off on a tangent on something real quick? Go. (laughs) I stopped saying, I'm sorry. I used to be the person that would say, I'm sorry all the time. I only say, I'm sorry when I truly mean it, when I'm actually going to change. This is something that I hope guys understand is like, and I, maybe some guys are like this, some maybe are not. I used to be the, this kind of people pleaser. I'd say, I'm sorry, but in the back of my head, I'm never going to change. I was like, I'm just going to say sorry to appease this person in front of me right now so I can get away with it and just solve the problem. But I knew in the back of my head, I'm not actually going to change my behavior and my habits. And so I'm just trying to solve the problem, put a bandaid on it. Now I made a decision a long time ago with Maggie that I was, I'm only going to say, I'm sorry. When number one, I am truly sorry and repentant of the behavior or what I have done, and I'm actually going to change it. And so my sorries mean more because she now knows that when I do apologize, I truly mean it. And I'm actually going to make a concerted, intentional effort to actually change my behavior. Yeah, I think that's a really, really uh, profound statement. I think it's incredibly important. What, What made you change that way, though? I realized that I would not be able, it goes back to trust with my wife. I want my wife to be able to trust I'm a man of my word. And that if she can't trust me, then who can she trust? Because together we become one person basically, right? And she is my best friend. I am her best friend, but everything is built on a mutual trust with each other and respect as well. And I want her to be able to trust and respect and know that when I say something, I'm going to do it. Because the last, and this is what happens with, and I think in a lot of relationships where guys don't follow through on their word. And number one, there's a lot of shame and guilt for us as men. When we look at ourselves in the mirror and we get, whenever I'm angry at something or, or my kids or work or whatever, the reason I'm angry is because I know that I failed Mm -hmm. because I was the one that messed up, but I take that shame and that guilt and that anger out on someone else when I should actually just be looking in the mirror and pointing that finger at myself. Right. And so when it comes to that with my wife is I realized I need to be able to back up my word with my actions. 
and I need her to trust me. So that just became like a really serious thing for me. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to. And I told her that. And at first she was like, what? That doesn't make sense. Because she's like, I still want you to say, I'm sorry. I was like, I will trust me. But like, I would rather talk through and apologize on things and work through things that I truly am actually going to change rather than just giving you lip service and telling you I'm sorry for nothing. Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy, it gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy, but go to the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business, send it to your boss, send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the brotherhood of fatherhood, this is a great way. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think there's just so much power to that. And, and the, the one thing that I would say is like something that kind of popped in my mind is if, if a guy hasn't developed these types of conversations with his wife yet, like don't go directly to the, I'm not going to say I'm sorry thing. Don't go directly. Cause there's another one that I think as you build this up, cause my wife and I, we don't call them cheat codes, but it's very similar. We have that, that level of conversation now. It's very, quite honestly, it's quite, it's not very frequent. I talk to other men that have this level and I really desire it for most men. Yeah. I desire it for every man who's married, uh, like to have this level of, com- um, of commitment and desire and friendship with your wife is next level freedom. I'm, uh, just absolutely put it out there, but like, don't skip, don't skip steps. Don't mm. start because, because I, here's where I was going. It, when you have this developed, this relationship developed into a position where this is kind of a regular, Hey, here's something I need, or I don't ever want to do this again. Or I, I always want to push the grocery cart. Like I know, like, it just drives me nuts. Can I please drive, just push the grocery cart every time there's a grocery cart involved? fine. I mean, that's a convert. That's the thing I said. I'm like, it's a control thing. I know it. It's just something I love to do. And it gives me purpose. 
Awesome. And, um, and, but I'm not going to start with, Hey babe, I'd like to introduce X, Y, or Z into our sex life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. exactly. But that is some, that's a, that's a, that's a position or a place you can get in after you've established trust, trust and, uh, a history of, of following through with these things. And that's also absolutely freaking incredible because now anything that is in your head, you can communicate with and do it with respect and, and be okay. If like, I'm, I'm not talking about weird stuff. I'm just talking normal relational things, have those conversations because there's been times when I walked away from intimate situations. I'm frustrated because I didn't get my way. But the, like the, the question here is, if I don't say it, she can't read my mind. I think there's, a, you said it early on. There's a lot of this assumption that you're just automatically going to be telepathically connected. Yep. <laughs> I laid out like, so one of the cheat codes that I have for myself, there's two main ones that I think will shock some people. And that is number one is uh, don't go 72 hours without sex. Like for me. It's like, we don't. Another one is, and this is actually, I'll, I'll name three. Another one is we travel together. I never travel. We never travel without each other. Thankfully, we work together so we can actually do that, which is phenomenal. But there are times when she was not a part of the trip and I would pay for her to come with me out of my own pocket because I don't want to travel without her. I just, it's also personal. I don't sleep well without her. It's just like one of those things. And then the other one is um, my wife is an extremely hard worker and she really likes to work well at night. And I'm a, an early riser, but we have kids and they got to get off to school and things like that. And she loves sleep. She's a phenomenal sleeper. I'm very jealous of her ability to sleep and sleep through stuff. I'm the lightest sleeper in the world. But one of the things that I noticed is that she's a better mom and a, not really, it isn't so much for me. She's a better mom and feels better about herself when she wakes up and gets out of bed and moving before seven o'clock. Mm. So one of my cheat codes that I told her is I want you, I would like you and I need you out of bed before seven. And when I said that to her the first time, and I, that was the last one that I told her everything else. She was like, okay, nope, this makes sense. Makes sense. That was the last one. And I brought it up to her and you have to always state why there has to be a reason why. And if it's super selfish, sometimes that's okay. But there's other reasons why it's important. And the reason for her is it had nothing to do with me. I don't care. She could sleep till nine. Couldn't care less. But I noticed for her, she's a better mom and she in, feels more confident about herself if she does that because she gets more accomplished in the day. And she's not rushed. She's not feeling crazy. So saying that at first she was shocked, but then when she started doing it, she's like, no, you're right. Like this is so much better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you probably shocked a few people with your, with your first one. I think it was your first one. Um, yeah. And I'm going to say if, if you were shocked by that and you think that that's impossible, start working on the very small things right away with these communications yeah. because it's absolutely 100% possible. I'm absolutely. Not, yeah. Like this whole thing where guys, like this is shocks me when guys talk about how they're like, Oh yeah, I got married. So now I don't have sex anymore. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, how is that even possible? Right. It doesn't be, make sense to me. It should be the most, most flourishing time yes. in your life. Yes. You should have yeah. more sex now than you ever did. Like what right. doing it right. If you're doing it the right way, there should never be any problems whatsoever. And I got, this is coming from the guy that has a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, right? So like, I'm in the thick of it. I get it. But if you're doing it right and you're loving on your wife and you're making plans together, then you'll have the opportunity to make love together. And so you just need to be able to do that. Well, and you'll get creative. I mean, my wife and I, it's like, okay, we got kids. Now we got teenage kids walk wherever they want. So, hey, our, uh, our uh, walk-in closet 
is very frequent in location because it's out of the way. No one comes in there. Like, I mean, get creative for God's sakes. Like, don't be so, you know, rigid in how you view how things should be when you're married, because there's just a lot of freedom in, in not making excuses. This is really what this is about. There's a lot of freedom in not making excuses and being the hundred percenter. You really have to be the hundred percenter. What kind of other things do you do you intentionally do to keep that marriage like at its tip top? Get really good at saying no. Um, and what I mean by that is we've prioritized our relationship above really in our faith above anything else in life. And that's even above our kids. And so we put our relationship and prioritize our relationship first, because we know that if we are not right, we can't be the best. Number one, we can't be the best husband and wife to each other, the best partners, the best friends to each other, which also will impact our relationship with our kids. And we're also trying to be role models for our kids. I want my daughter to look at me and the relationship I have with my wife and be like, I want a man like my father who puts my puts me first above everything else. And then I want my son to look at me and be like, I want to be like my dad because I want the relationship and I want to have the love and respect that my mom has for my dad. And I want that. Right. And I want to look for that. And so, because I had that in my life every day, Same. my dad, my mom was a stay at home dad or stay at home mom, stay at home dad. I don't know. It's 2022. Never <laughs> my mom is a, my mom was a stay at home mom. And I was actually homeschooled my entire life. First class I ever went to was college. We talked about this in another conversation. So that's another whole nother subject right there. But every day my dad would come home. And I just remember this my entire life. When he would come home, he'd walk in, we'd all just run to him and we'd be like, dad's home. We're so excited. He's ready to play and all this stuff. And he would say, he'd all give us a hug and a kiss. And he'd be like, I love you guys. Um, I'll be right back. And then he would go into the room. They would lock the door because we kids were clamoring, trying to get in. And he'd be like, guys, we'll be out in 10 minutes. And they would always, every day, he would go in and talk with my mom, debrief on the day, understand the temperature of what's going on that day. I know this now. I didn't know this then, but they would sit there and be like, if it was a tough day, he would come out alone and go play with us and give my mom free time. If it was a good day, they'd both come out, we'd get dinner, we'd do things, have all that stuff. And so they had a chance to connect and really, he showed me and gave me the example that, hey, I'm putting your mother above you guys. And because if I don't do that, then I can't be the best father to you. Yeah, 100%. I was modeled the exact same thing. And I see it clear as day now. Back then, I didn't see it as a bad thing. My dad would pay attention to my mom first because there was always attention on us. It was never like, and I, and you know, he was a business owner and yes, he was very busy and it could consume all time, but he would come home, do the thing and then come and wrestle with, usually wrestle with me or kind of debrief on how my day or practice or whatever went and then connect with my sister. She was home. And I look back and I'm like, wow. And it was a couple of years ago, I was writing my story, my marriage story. It was my wife and I were challenged to write our marriage story. And awesome. we're just spending this time and we're going through this dialogue. We're actually working with a professional writer. And, um, and I'm like, wow. Like the area in my life where I really screwed up, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, was when I prioritized my priorities were out of line. Mm -hmm. And there became this 1% degree change of direction. My wife and I were spreading this way because my sole immediate top notch thing was providing financially for my, my family. I thought that was the best thing I could do. Yep. When, and when I reflected, I was writing this story out of like, my dad and my mom, before, and they spoke this out before 
they said, God is absolutely first every time. This is the faith within our family. And this is how I carry my life as well by choice. Yep. So I'm like, faith is first for me. That's God. That is my Christian belief. I'm not pushing it on everybody. I just like to share it because I don't like to hide it. So we got God is first. My kids know that. Mm -hmm. Then it's my wife. And I'm, I tell my kids and I say this, the same thing. When, when you're, when you have a wife in your life, she should come before us and it's going to suck and it's going to hurt, but it's incredibly important. And guess what? You wouldn't have kids if you didn't have your wife. Guess who's going to be more important than your kids. You are going to be, <laughs> you should pay attention and treat your wife. And she is the first thing before the kids. So that's how my order it's, it's God, wife, kids, extended family, work, friends. And when you have that order in place, everything else really aligns and comes into focus. And I was modeled that and you were modeled that. And I think it's really yeah. imperative that guys like us who have this, like my parents, I don't know how many years have been married. They're still very happily married. We, we, it is our duty to share that to everybody else who hasn't experienced that. So they can see what the, what the, I'm not, you know, what the model is, what the, the success in marriage and parenting is. I love that. I have something like that. I kind of think about, and this is a, another way of, I guess, describing how I think about marriage and life. And really this applies to anything in life. If you want to be successful, if you think about a game, you play any game, let's just take baseball for existence. I, for example, I played baseball my entire life, but in order to be good at any game and to achieve what is deemed as success in anything, you have to first understand the game that you're playing. Number one, what is the game? Because if I go onto a baseball field and I think I'm playing soccer, I'm stupid and I'm probably not going to be very successful, am I? Right? So you first have to understand the game that you're playing. Number two is you have to understand the rules to the game. Right? Because if I don't understand the rules to the game, then I'm going to mess up lots of times. I'm going to make tons of mistakes and I'm most likely not going to enjoy the game, which is going to decrease my chances of being successful in that game. Right? And so if you know those two things, and you act on those two, two things intentionally, you're most likely going to be successful. The game that I have in my marriage is to be the best husband and the best friend to my wife, to be the best partner to her, and to develop the most amount of trust and respect and love possible, to have the best relationship better than anything that I ever thought was possible in life. That is the game. I'm trying to do that. The rules to the game mean that I have to, number one, clearly understand what are her needs, her wants, her desires. And I need those written down for me because I'm an idiot sometimes. I can't just have them told to me because I forget things. And so the rules of the game are I need to follow. I need to understand what makes her happy truly, like transparently in detail. And then I need to follow those rules. And if I do that, I know I can be successful. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think this, I, I would, I would go out. I would go as far as to say this even, and I know there's some crazy weird things that happen with blended families or when you're adding in someone who, you know, the husband is left or the wife is left and now you're in a whole new, and they put the child before the new spouse or the new, new girlfriend, boyfriend, the new fiance. I've seen it over and over again. My wife and I work a lot with married couples, um, something we've done for years and we've seen it a lot it spells disaster. Even in those situations, when you don't put it in the light, right order, it just spells disaster. I've never seen it not. And I know that's a broad state, a very bold statement, but in my personal experience with hundreds of couples, I've never seen it work out right when the order was wrong. I have zero experience with that. And I can't even imagine going through that. Um, yeah. So I can't really speak to that at all. I would be remiss to do that, but I, 
I, I, from outside perspective of just understanding the foundational pieces of a successful relationship period, I don't, I agree with you. I, when I look at that and I see situations anecdotally in my own life with my friends and family members and colleagues, I agree with you. It's very hard to keep that if you're, if you're doing that. Here's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll say this, and this is a question if you're for the listeners, something to think about. And I posed this question on Facebook and this was, I posed this question on Facebook to see what was the reaction of people. Cause I was just curious. The question is this, your wife is in one room, your kids are in another room. Kid, kids, doesn't matter. They're in another room. You have to choose between them. One will live, one will die. Neither of them will know who you chose. And neither of them will know that you had to make that decision. Who do you choose to live? And who do you choose to die? It's a morbid question. It's a very morbid question. The worst situation that anyone would ever be placed in. But in a hypothetical situation, who do you choose? And the question now becomes, now, now you get down into the deep. If you put yourself in that situation, your actions are going to align with your priorities. And 99.9% of the people on that post that commented, every single one except for one person commented that they would save their kids. Wow. Yeah. And it's a horrible question to ask. And, and- it's a terrible question. Just so I'm, I'm prefacing this, that's a horrible, morbid, worst case scenario. Yeah, but I think it's something you have to uh, you have to really think through some of those things. Yeah. The, and I, I want to kind of s- step back and you saying I can't I can't really speak to that because I haven't been in that situation. I want to give that same disclaimer. I have not been divorced. I have not had a blended family. I have not been a, a function of a blended family. I've listened to a lot of stories. I've listened talked to a lot of individuals, and it's extremely painful. So I just want to make sure people don't assume that I'm like just making this broad statement. I'm just looking at my observations because I can't even imagine be I cannot even imagine my wife passing away and me remarrying one thing, and then me remarrying and saying, "Boys, she's now more important to me than." you are like even to put that into words is incredibly difficult because it's not something i can foresee so i wanted to circle back around on that just talk what i've seen 
in circumstances, whether it's, you know, truth or not, I think that's for um, someone else to say, but that's, that's the truth. I believe we've been talking about um, our spouses, our wives and how they're more, you know, above our kids. And I think this is probably challenged a lot of, a lot of men uh, and, and good. Good. I, I would, I would, I would ask you to ask yourself a lot of questions. <laughs> and I challenge I, a lot of my friends and my colleagues on this in regards to dating your wife and loving your wife and doing this is like, why aren't you doing this? That's the question. It's like, if you truly want a relationship that's better than you could ever imagine, it's going to take work and it's hard at first if you haven't done it, but do it. Just yeah. shock your wife and just plan a date night. Just, it doesn't even have to be anything crazy. Like fancy, like by uh, Walker Hayes, the song, just take her freaking Applebee's. It doesn't matter. Yep. Right. Like just take her on a date. Yep, <clears throat> I did. I did talk to a man. I have a lot of opportunities to talk to men because, you know, I interview them and then people reach out uh, and he's like, look, I've been married for, I think it was 20 years. I'm lucky if I get, have sex once a year because she just thinks it's evil. She thinks it's, it's a bad thing. It's only for procreating. And I, and I've thought about that a lot. And I thought about, you know, I think this really comes back around to doing some of the things we're talking to and letting the process go through. But in that case, I also think there's probably some counseling. I mean, we can't be remiss. Like there's some, there's some things that, um, and of course, being a husband telling your wife, Hey, you need to go to counseling so we can have sex or so that our, our relationship can be strong. It's a really hard place to be. Uh, I don't have the answers for that, but you know, that's another thing we just kind of have to put out there. Those things, those, those experiences, those relationships exist. And in my, my recommendation is the same go 100% in just yes ask her what she needs and serve, 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 serve. Um, but can I, can I speak on something real quick on that? Yeah. Hit on this. And I think it's a really valid point is that, you know, it's hard to go to your partner and say those things. Like I need counseling or whatever, something that is, that I believe that most number one men need to be leaders in their homes and with their wives, they're called to be leaders. Uh, whether you believe like the whole dynamics and all that stuff, it, it doesn't matter if you look at the proven studies around it, like men are designed to be the leaders in the household. I'm not saying they need to make more money or anything like that, but like that's kind of how the family dynamic works best in most scenarios. Now, with that said, if you are truly going to be the leader and you truly want to win the game that you're playing, this goes back to the knowing the game, then you should be open to going and getting counseling on your own and letting your wife know, hey, you know what? I've got some things I need to work on in this relationship. I'm going to get counseling. I would love for you to come with me, but you don't have to. I'm just letting you know, I'm putting the time and intentionality behind this relationship because I care about it and I want to help it. And I'm opening the door for you and giving you an invitation, but I'm just letting you know, I care deeply about you and this, and I want this to work. And if you do that, you will have to pick her jaw up off the floor. But even if she says no, or she's shocked, or she pushes you away, hold firm in that and just understand you're giving, dude, I love that. You're giving the hundred percent because you're doing it because you know, it's going to work. And an example of this and like how this is a testament to our lives is many times I'll be sitting here and I'll be thinking about through different series or seasons of my life of like, I need to get better at this, whether it's a personal development or a professional development, I need to do that. And then I'll notice I'll, I'll let my wife know for accountability. And it may be something she wants to do as well, but she is waiting for me to do it first. And she's waiting for me to lead. And then when she sees that I am accountable and I am not lying to myself and I'm following through with the commitment that I made to myself, then she follows. I've and seen so, that. I've yeah. seen that happen quite a bit in my own life and in other men's life. And I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. I just wasn't thinking about it at the moment, but it's a very good strategy. And it, it, 
when you, when you are real about it, you decide, okay, I, like maybe she really needs counseling, but the best thing I can do right now is lead by taking the control of myself and then talk. One thing I've done is I just talk out loud through the processes. Like I did this and this is what's happened. And sometimes there's interest, but it's just like anything. You just kind of just keep, keep working at it and it starts to grow. And then, and then, you know, my wife's like, Hey, what was that book or what was that thing? Right. Like later, uh, it's almost like when you work for someone else and you have an amazing idea, this happened, (laughs) this happened to me a lot. You come up with this idea and you present it to the team and they're like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. Four months later, the owner will come back and say, okay, I had a great idea. Here's what we're going to do. I can't even count on my hands. I'm like, this is insane. So I remember um, a funny anecdotal uh, story. I, a new person coming into a position I was in, I told them, okay, here's the pattern. <laughs> I said, do you have ideas? They're like, yeah. And I keep presenting and they say, no, I'm like, okay, just give it three months and then call me. And um, they finally call me back later. Like, yeah, my ideas are coming back as theirs. I'm like, absolutely dude. And that's okay. Because your idea was to improve the company. So it doesn't really matter where it came from or that it's, it's acknowledged. It's the yeah. same with your wife. <laughs> you want to win. Right. Do you want to win the game that you're playing? And if you want to win the game that you're playing, you're willing to put aside your ego and what you think should happen. And you're willing to do the things that need to happen in order to make it work. A perfect example of this is like in our minds, right? As guys, we think we need to provide, I think you talked about this earlier is like, and this was something for you, right? And it's the same for me is we need to provide. And I want to be able to provide for my wife and make tons of money and make her feel secure and all this stuff. And while many women will inherently desire security and things like that, my wife's love language is quality time. So like, she doesn't care how much money Most don't match it, match up together. No, right. No, like she doesn't like it usually it takes a lot of time to make money, but she wants quality time. So if you, but my ego wants to make money because that's status. I see status and I see that, but what makes my wife love me more and happy and secure is me spending quality time with her. And so understanding when it, when I realize that and I don't, it, it's like, cool. I'm just, if I truly want to win this game and be the best husband I possibly can, the best father, I'm willing to put aside my ego and try to keep doing this. Now I say this and I'm in a position for people talk like listening to this. I'm in an amazing position of my wife being VP of operations. I'm CEO. So we get to work together. So like right. we get both worlds, so we get quality time and I get to drive and try to make money and build businesses and do all this fun stuff. But either way, when I wasn't making money as a gym owner and I was struggling and waking up at four o'clock, working till nine, having to go get another job to put food on the table, doing this at the end of the day, she didn't care. She was a bartender. She was just like, I just want to spend quality time. Mm-hmm. I have time with you. That's it. We'll be happy no matter what. But you so. had to, you, you had to have a certain level of communication. Again, this intentionality, yeah. this communication to understand that about her, which doesn't just happen overnight. And I do think that most newly married couples think that this is going to telepathically move back and forth between you. Absolutely. And I think too many people care about what the standards, these certain standards that seem to be placed on how a marriages should be or how guys should act like this whole thing in culture of like guys should be able to go out with their buddies and drink and play golf and do all this stuff. And like, I don't care about those things because I'm losing the game. If I do that, because every four hours I spend on the golf course is four hours. I could have spent with quality time investing in my relationship with my best friend. Who's going to be with me until my deathbed. Right. So like, yeah, I can go play golf, but I don't have as much fun doing that. It's a dangerous equation. It's a dangerous message. And there, there's, so let me, let me go down this road. First of all, any man that comes into the brotherhood of fatherhood, Facebook group, they're asked, you consider yourself the leader of the home. Mm-hmm. Very interesting to read that because usually a man will say no, and he'll give an explanation, which has been really interesting. And, um, 
you know, sometimes I think that'll just scare him away because that's a belief that I have is that whether you like it or not, you're a leader. It does not mean you're the breadwinner. It does not mean that you're the one doing the most work or it's a totally different meaning. Um, now I forgot the other point. <laughs> Dang it. I do that all the time. But, but I think it's really important to really actually, it, my viewpoint to actually just acknowledge that as a man in a marriage, you really need to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Yeah. And you lead with love, like in, and empathy. Like for us guys, we're typically harsher with each other. Like you and I can go back and forth. We can have really short conversations. Like I just sent a uh, TikTok video that I thought was hilarious of a guy just viewing a beautiful stream. Then he dips the thing underwater and then he flashes the middle finger to the camera as like a joke. And I sent that to my buddy and he's laughing at it. Right. Like I'm not going to send that to my wife. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like in that, like as leaders, we have to lead with care and with gentleness um, and empathy and with our wives. Right. And so being a leader doesn't mean you have to be harsh and be the CEO style in your home. Not at all. Like it's still a partnership, but you still need to be the first one to take. You got to take the first step. Yeah. You're not willing to take the first step. How in the world can you ask her to do that and to follow? Well, 100%. And you, you said something that's so profound and so important. It's the, uh, the whole point of the, (sighs) lost my thought again, man, I should have, I should have drank a, uh, Oh, what is that? More caffeine, bro. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole, I joke that I'm probably going to lose listeners just for this. If you haven't had the, and, and, uh, the kill cliff ignite, that's the Joe Rogan. Have you ever had the Joe Rogan one? Oh, I haven't had that. Is it good? It's flaming Joe and it's literally spicy pineapple. Ooh. So I'm, I'm totally Ooh. off topic here because I need, I need a oh. brain break. Spicy oh. pan- pineapple. And I was like, this is weird. I got to try it. And I have flipping fell in love with it, but I should have drank a, um, one of the fit aid brand ones, the, the neuro, neurotropic ones or nootropics. That is the weirdest flavor I've ever heard. Spicy pineapple. You got to get it. Now I have to try it because now I have no idea what, I don't like pineapple stuff, but I'd be curious because it's spicy. I think it's spicy pineapple. After COVID, after I had COVID last year, I like, I, my taste and my smell still goes in and out. And this is, I had it in January of 2021. It's been over a year and it's still. Like I couldn't taste anything or smell anything for four months. So I doused everything in hot sauce. So now it's like, I, I'd still do that. Go get a spicy pineapple ignite from Kill Cliff. Uh, anyway, uh, not enough caffeine in my brain. I want to, I want to kind of switch gears. I, I don't know if we have time, but I really want to switch gears because you said something before we started recording. I think is another, you know, we've already kind of laid the line in the sand that we believe our wives come before our kids. And, um, oh, Dang it. It came back. Uh, this friend message, this friend message, like go spend, it's really important for you to spend time with your bros. It's really important for you to go play golf or go do your motocross or whatever. Every man needs his own time. Hey, look, I 100% agree, but I always prioritize my wife. Yes. And for me, my refuel time is quiet time in nature. So every morning, no matter what the weather, we are in an ice storm right now, no matter what the weather, I'm going to go on a at least a 45 minute walk. Uh, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm going to spend the time thinking, meditating, refueling my brain. I think it's incredibly important to have things that you do yes. mostly around challenge. They should be challenging. There should be some focus and challenge and meditation involved. But, um, but I see a lot of men use this I thing as a crutch and I think pushes them away further from their wives. Like I'm going to go bowling with the guys. They're gone for four hours. Where now is 
is their wife in that. And I'm not suggesting you give it up. I'm suggesting you really audit how much time you do and really come to an agreement with your wife that is a deep, true, real agreement of how much time is too much time, when is a good time, when is not a good time. And look, if those guys aren't aren't challenging you to improve, your, improve yourself, something you've said multiple times, like I'll talk to my friends, I'll have them, I, I say these things, I'll challenge them on those things. That's what friends are. Is yeah. friends, who, friends are people who are willing to listen to challenges and give challenges to you in order to make you improve. If they're just there to drink beers with you and, and talk shit and do that kind of stuff, they're probably not lifting you up and making you grow. That's probably where you're not going to spend your time. So be, do an audit on how you're spending your time. And if you're escaping your wife to go hang out with them, right? So yes, you should absolutely have friends, period. Like, don't yep. be a hermit. You don't need to be an island. Like, please, like, do that. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying I don't spend time with other guys and do all this stuff. <clears throat> However, if you're escaping your wife for this, you're most likely, uh, what I have found when I did this and when other people, have, when my friends do this, they can only be them true, their true real self with their friends, meaning they're hiding from their wife. Mm-hmm. And they have not had that open communication, transparency, and clarity around who they are and what they need. And they do not have an open relationship in regards to that. That's typically what I find. This is when it gets the extreme. I'm not saying like there's people that have every relationship is different. People will have their balances. They want to do that. Totally good for you. What works for me won't work for everybody. But at the end of the day, for the people where if you're in a relationship that is not going well, and you are rocky and you keep finding yourself as a man going and wanting to hang out with your guys, you're escaping the reality of what's right in front of you because you don't want to face it. You're not willing to have the hard, fierce conversations that need to be had with the person that you gave your vows to and entrusted your life with and partnered up with. And you need to be able to face and have those hard conversations. They suck, but they have to happen. Yep. Yep. I, and even like, I think a lot of people would say, I, um, I'm, whipped or whatever, because even like, I want to go mountain biking. I'll, I'll look at a gap in my schedule and I've kind of intentionally created a gap and I'll tell my, I still go to my wife and say, Hey, I would love to go mountain biking today from three. I'd be home by five. How does that affect the schedule? Is there something else I need to be paying attention to? And it's really awesome because it's, I'm not asking for permission. I'm asking for scheduling help to make sure it's the right time and it's the right like we're in the right place. And sometimes she'll say, yeah, that'll work. I kind of had this in mind and I'll be like, okay, I'll change my schedule. Uh, but 99% of the time she's like, yeah, that's awesome. Go do it. If you could be home by 445, that would even be better. Boom. Easy. Okay. I'll cut it down, you know, cut six miles off the ride and I'm good to go. Um, and that's not being whipped. Yeah, going back to the whip part for the guys, because this has happened to me multiple times. Guys are like, dude, you never like do this stuff. I, like, what are you whipped? And I'm like, bro, no offense, but I'm you're not, I'm not getting laid by you. <laughs> I think that's a great answer. Like, I'm not like, no offense, like I'm not having sex with you. Like, if I want, like, let's be real, like as guys, very fully transparent. Like, sex is a major driver for a lot of the decisions we make, yep. right? Status and sex. They also go hand in hand. And like when people say that, that's what I tell them. I'm just like, no offense, but like. That's not the only reason I'm with my wife, but man, that's a much better reason for me to hang out and invest in my relationship than it is to do it with you and hang out with you. Right? Like I'm not doing that. So I'd rather spend my time over here and invest my time here with this because there's also a nice reward there that happens. And and if a guy just, just doesn't agree with that, I I don't think he's being real or no, I agree. (laughs) Something else. Most of the time with the escape guys aren't getting it at home. Right. (laughs) So like, cause if they weren't getting it home, they wouldn't be leaving. Well, and then, but the problem is, is that's a really bad cycle. 
you leave oh. and you're stretching that even further and and it's just not going to happen by you disappearing unless then you go down a really bad road and you start getting your needs met somewhere else the same thing will happen with a woman if you ignore 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 and something comes up somebody comes in who's paying attention there's a really slippery slope that happens there so you escaping is actually giving your wife opportunity to get her needs met somewhere else because you're probably failing miserably at it. Absolutely. Man, if this, this is going to, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of people that are going to rip this podcast apart. So it's I don't okay. It's okay. Oh, I love it. Trust yeah. me. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, I'm going to make a statement and Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Rob Wolf. I don't know if you know Rob Wolf. Yeah, so, yeah, dude, Rob Wolf. He's like, by the end of this podcast recording, you'll either take one or two sides. You'll hate what I said, or you'll hate what I said. <laughs> he's like, at some point, <laughs> I will make everybody mad. And I actually think that's a really good place to be in. I really do. Because I'm not here to, and I, I, I don't inspire my guests to say things to make people happy. I'm here to to speak our truths and what we found to be true so that yep. somebody might find some freedom or some advancement or some hope in their own life. So if we made them mad through this, like they're just not at a place where they can hear it. And that's okay. Agreed. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Now we we're I have time if you want more. I have a little bit <laughs> of time. So if you have time and you want to talk more, let's do it. Let's hit on the kids thing. I do. Cause I want to talk about kids because you brought up something that just, and this is what I was going back before you brought up something. I was like, Oh my gosh, no one talks about this. Uh -huh. And it's so incredibly important because men in the group will ask questions like, I just don't know what to do with my kids. Like, I don't have fun. Like right now it's boring. And you know, what do I do? And guys will come up with all of these creative things to do, but you really nailed the, the nail on the head. And I think we need to say it out loud and then talk about strategies. Yeah. Don't always love the stage your kids are in and you don't always enjoy the time with them. Yeah. I, so this is where I'm at right now in my life. Um, I don't enjoy being a father. Like I just don't, I love my kids. Let's be very clear on that. I absolutely love my kids. They are incredible human beings. I love the different personalities they have all that stuff, but it has been a fight since day one with my daughter. Um, she's an amazing, beautiful, and we probably fight because we're very similar uh, from a mentality standpoint, which is probably one of the reasons why, but every day it's, it's also, there are other factors involved in regards to working from home, having higher level positions, work never really stops all those pieces. But I also personally have become self-aware in the fact that I really enjoy work. I really enjoy what I do. I'm very passionate about it. I enjoy it. I'd like to grow. And in the current season where I'm at, it's hard. It was hard for me at first. When I first realized this, when I had, we had our daughter, I realized that, oh shoot, I never actually really truly wanted kids. I just thought that that was kind of the way it happens. You get married, you have kids, you procreate, you pass it on. But then I never really taken a step back before having kids to really analyze, do I actually truly want kids? Because I remember my daughter, it was the longest birthing process ever in my mind. It wasn't, there's been longer and my daughter almost died on when she was born and seeing that and, and then the relief of her being alive and being okay. And then you're going through that. And then you realize the moment I held her and I sat down, I thought, this is amazing. This is crazy. But then there was this washing of just, Oh shoot. I'm never going to like, this is never going to end. Like I'm never going to sleep again. I will feel tired the rest of my life. 
And I, you feel this just complete exhaustion in this. And some people might be hearing me like, dude, you're, you're, you're a horrible person for thinking that, but like, this is what's going through my head. And like, right now there are moments in life with my kids that I am, I am so excited to be their dad. And I love it more than anything in the world. The other day, um, right after Christmas, we took them uh, skiing up in upstate New York at Maggie's old hometown place. And they, I got to see in their faces, the love of something that I enjoy doing that Maggie enjoys doing. And I was just sitting there watching them. And, and for, that was the most excited I'd ever been to be a dad mm-hmm. ever. And I have a almost seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. Right. And there are moments in time when I'm like, this is amazing. But for the majority of the time, I really, I actually don't enjoy being a dad. And that's a struggle that I have and something that, I mean, I think we need to, I think a lot of guys probably feel the same way, but I think it needs to be said for most people. But that's in some ways, like the other piece that I want to say to that is like, I don't enjoy being a dad, but that doesn't mean that I don't try to be the best dad possible. Yeah. I I, don't, I think that could be misaligned. People could say something completely off kilter of what they could take this the wrong direction. This has nothing to do with love or absolute no. passion or no. what you would do. You would probably die for your kids. You'd probably lay down your life for your wife and kids. No question. Right. In heartbeat. But exactly. And, and, um, the, but I think it's a real, it's a real thing. Some people, some guys, and I'm going to be honest, I don't quite relate to them <laughs> when, when they come into the group and everything is about their kids. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it, I'm like, dude, freaking get a life. Like we are commissioned to raise, this is a statement I say, we're commissioned to raise future adults, future successful contributors to society. We're not raising kids. If we're raising kids, we're going to end up with a bunch of people who are just soft and well, we kind of are in that position. But I, I believe that we are, our role is to raise future successful contributing adults. Now, what does that mean? That means that we model the things that we need to model good, uh, being a good husband being the absolute best husband, because we want our kids to look for a a spouse or a mate that is the same of what the standard we've set. I mean, I, I, my wife and I have such an incredible relationship. My son, my older son, get real raw here, um, said to her, I don't think I'll ever find a relationship at the level that you and dad are at. Mm. It was a beautiful statement in one end and the other end, I'm like, that is absolutely not true. Like, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's a beautiful statement because he sees how amazing, how close our relationship is and how much we absolutely love each other. And, and, and that's really cool to hear though. Yeah. Like as a dad, but it's also sad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then it's just my job to help him believe in himself and not, and not give up short of what he really knows is the right person, blah, 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 all that. But I haven't always enjoyed the, the, the parenting role and it's not, I'm not passionate about the parenting role. I'm passionate about men in the family who are raising amazing kids through the way that they're living because of the way that they're living, the way that they're treating their spouse, the way that they are performing, the way you do anything is the way you do or everything. You know, anything is the way you do everything, whatever it is. I believe in that. I believe you should perform in excellence in everything you do. That does not mean that I loved at four and seven years old sitting in a park with my kids and swinging or doing those things. It's okay. Now I will give you, I mean, my, my boys are now 14 this week and 18 in June. So very much older. There's a point where there's some really fun times. Like it's a blast. They start to understand joking and they start to, they get snarky in a very respectful way. And 
there's dialogue, like really deep dialogue. And then it's it just hell on the other side. I mean, one minute's beautiful. The next minute, just stupid and sucks. So I think it's just important for men to know, like, if you don't feel like a passion for the, this fatherhood thing, it's okay. It's totally okay, but still show up, <laughs> right? But still show up. Yeah. That's the thing is like- Intentionality. Yeah. Like I am not by far, in my opinion, I am not the best dad out there whatsoever, but I can guarantee you I'm never going to give up. Yeah. Right. And I have, I don't know if I'll ever be the best dad. I'm, my goal is I'm going to try to be the best husband that my wife ever has. And the only one she ever has, right? That's my goal. And I don't know if I'll be the best dad to my kids, but I'll be the only one that they ever have. And so my job is just to continue every day to just show up and to make sure that my goal, honestly, is just, I want them to feel that I was always available for them. And whether they have, I don't know, either way, I just want them to know that I was there, right? And that they have a role model to look after in regards to relationships and how they should be. And that I always love them and put them in a position where they need to be in, in the priority list of where they should be. I think being a great father is a projection anyways. You're projecting what your belief is into this relationship with your kids. Like if I were a kid looking back on my upbringing, my dad didn't spend hours upon hours with me. He did he did the routine. He worked hard. He worked a lot. He owned a business for like 50 years. He came, he came home. He paid attention to my mom. He'd spend a few minutes, maybe 30, 40 minutes, total of an hour between my sister and I, eat dinner together. And then, you know, and, and it wasn't about the quantity. It wasn't about him. You know, he did do some phenomenal things. Like when I, when I was very interested in, in uh, skateboarding and I kept going away to go skateboard, he built, we built a half pipe together. So we would come to my house. Like those are the things you can do, yep. you know, like how do you be a good parent? Provide a provide an environment for your kids to grow, be challenged, and and thrive, and where you have a good example to be in their in their life. And I look back and I'm like, would someone from the outside say my dad was an amazing parent? They probably would say, well, he should have had more money. I never cared about it ever. I never, I don't remember ever thinking about that. Didn't care, um, you know. And I would have said, yeah, he's the best dad in the world. Someone else may have said no. So I think that that we have to stop projecting what other people other people's expectations are. And that's really dangerous to social media. I'm watching all these men and they're like, went to the park. I go to my, with the park to my park with my kid, you know, three hours every day. And then we went to this play place and did this. And then we did, that's great for some people. For me, that's miserable. Dude, it's hard. I struggle with this consistently. Yeah. I did. I don't now as much. I struggle with this when I was first having, cause I was trying to figure out who I was going to be as a dad. Right seeing these, I have friends who spend way more time with their kids and genuinely enjoy their time with their kids. And I'm like, I, sh why am I not like that? What's wrong with me? Yeah. And then I realized when I started talking to more people and being open about it and being vulnerable in conversations with other people, I quickly realized I'm not alone. And there's a lot of people that are like this mm -hmm. and they're just not willing to have that conversation and understand that it's okay. And that, it just doesn't mean that you're going to let it affect how you behave around your kids or what you do. You're still going to show up. You're still going to be there. You're still going to show them the love. You're still going to have that. You just may not, there are going to be times you just don't enjoy it. And like, that was really hard for me. There, there's a reality a little bit to the fact that many men will influence their kids to do the things they enjoy. Yes. And that's, this is a very important thing to, to notice as well is 
Like if they're always doing baseball and I'm sorry to use that as it was your upbringing, but you, you, you were self-driven to do that. If they're always doing baseball with their kids, like nonstop, go talk to that adult and find out who's really into baseball. Their kid is probably doing it because that's what they expect they're expected to do. And that's all they know. Guess what? At some point in their life, they're probably going to completely put their foot down and say, this is BS. I'm done with this. This is dumb. And then the parent has no, they literally lost as a parent because they're them parenting was taking them to games and buying them the best gear and getting them on the right teams and yelling at the coach and maybe coaching. And I would challenge any man who's using that as an evaluation of how good they're doing at parenting to flush that down the toilet and, and start over again. I'm not saying it's wrong. What I, what I see is when my son says, you know, Hey, I want to skateboard. I'm like, okay. I buy him a skateboard with zero expectations. Whenever you want to want lessons, I'm happy to give them to you. Dad, can you take me to skateboard? Sure. Two weeks later, no word about skateboarding. I'm not like, hey, let's go skate. Let's go skate because that would be mine. And so I think the idea here is uh, be very attentive, be involved in what they want to be in as long as they're letting you and, and be okay with being interested in things you weren't previously interested in because sometimes they might be interested in things you are interested in and you'll have that, expect, that, that, that ability to work with each other and enjoy each other's time. But I think a lot of people that we see as we would say, oh my gosh, they have a great relationship with their kid. It's a lot of forced activity based on their own likings. It's pretty harsh to say that, but it's true. Oh, I would agree. Would you say that kind of goes back to where their identity lies and where they, where they see. This is 100% an identity problem. And this is another thing we talk about a lot. And I'd love to ask you this is a lot of men have very misplaced identities. They either have this stuck identity in an era of their life. Like you could be stuck in your baseball years as identity. You and I talked about this on the other podcast, like, and just be stuck in that. And what's going to happen? Their kids are going to be paying, playing baseball. Your kids would be playing baseball, softball. They'd be immersed in it immediately because you're trying so hard to hang on to something that really isn't you. Yeah. Agreed. And I think it causes a lot of problems in people's lives, period. And I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family that from a faith-based standpoint, it was spoken into my life. And I got to see this of like, where does your identity lie? And so I think we talked, we might've talked about this in the last podcast, but I remember every day, not every day, but um, every game that I would play. And I played a lot of games (laughs) growing up, but every game, my dad from a young age moving forward, And even now, as I like work and he'll shoot me a text every once in a while, but he would always say, remember who you're playing for. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Like I get chills right now thinking about it because it's so important. And at the time as a kid, I'm like, yeah, dad, you know, I'm I'm playing for God. And I'm like, yep. And like at the time you just brush it off and it's like not a big deal. And it's like, whatever, but it's true though. Now it's like, where does my identity lie? If you stripped everything away from me the titles, the job, the money, everything, you know, where does your identity lie? And for most people, if they don't have that solid foundation and it's tied up in something outside of themselves or outside of a higher being, like for me, it's faith. If it's, if it's there, then they fall apart. And I see this, like I'm in a group of ex professional baseball players on um, Facebook. And I see this guys, they're dropping posts in there saying they're struggling. Like, how do you guys deal with this? Like, how do you guys do this? And I, I talked to a lot of guys I used to play with and they're floundering and not being able to be successful in what they're trying to pursue. And they struggle in other areas of life because they just keep going back to where they were in professional baseball. And that was all they had. And when that was taken away from them, they don't know the man that they are. They don't know who they are and what they're capable of accomplishing. Um, so I was fortunate at a young age to be kind of 
hit with that in a sense and just consistently reminded of that. Whether I liked it or not, it was like always asked, who do you play for? Who do you work for? Like, who do you work for? If you work for, do I work for Alex Ramosi at Gym Launch or am I working for, for me, like the God who created everything, who's given me the ability to go out there and am I doing this to glorify him? Yeah. So I, I have the, obviously you and I have the same belief system yeah. here and it, this might be blowing somebody like, like, oh my God, this is just a bunch of BS. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so put your own piece in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's the higher, higher power thing. I was interviewing a very wise man um, on, a, on this podcast about a year ago. And he said, I really struggled with my identity. And he, he said, I had to change the question. I had to change the question of who am I to whose am I? And yeah. then I realized my purpose isn't about like me. It's bigger than me. And I think that's a big thing. A lot of people will, I mean, in the, in the men's coaching world, in the uh, mentoring world of men, whether it's fatherhood, uh, parenting, adult, I mean, um, personal growth, uh, almost everybody says you have to have a like spiritual thing is, is spiritual part is such a bigger, uh, an important base. And, and that's really where this comes down to is like, I, 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 yes, I want to earn a lot of money and my position is something I pay attention to. It doesn't define me. All it does is allows me the opportunity to be a good steward of what I have. And that, so I'm keeping that in mind. Right. But I think that's a big question. Like who, who are you really, really, who are you? And if it's based on an activity or a job or a role or a position, it's 100% misaligned. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. 100%. I love it. So um, first of all, I'd say there will be a time with your kids that you will actually really enjoy activities you do with them. Like when yeah. my boys ask me, can you teach me to snowboard? Like the best day I've had in like years, right? Like yep. hands down. My wife was there, of course. I got to teach them how to snowboard. They were better than me. Um, yep. When I started out, of course, technology is quite a bit different these days. Yeah. We got to shred the mountain together, you know, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe bruise some ribs together. And it, and, but, but that wasn't until my youngest was 13 years old. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's 13 years. I know so, this is scary, but I can't wait till my daughter has a cell phone and can text because the reason why is like, I know scary. that she and I are going to go back and forth all the time. And I literally can't wait for that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I cannot wait because she has, she's incredibly smart and she's very witty at a very young age. So I know it's going to be a blast. Like I'm, I'm excited for those. Yeah. And you can develop a, a really great rapport and positivity and respect in those boundaries, which a lot of people also draw the boundaries in really weird areas. Like, no, 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 it's okay to embrace wittiness. It's okay. Like it's okay to embrace sarcasm as long as it's in love. And you know, you, you draw the boundaries of who to do that with, which is, seems to be an important thing. But yeah, I, I just think just saying it out loud that it's okay. If you don't just absolutely love the parenting thing, that's not really what matters. Do we absolutely love everything we have to do? No, but does it, is it required? Some of the, some of these things are required to fulfill our purpose, our, our destiny and our legacy in this world. And being a good parent is part of that, but that doesn't mean you're doing what the Joneses are doing. Absolutely. Comparison is the thief of joy, as we all know. Yes, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So I really um, want to say thank you for sharing that because I don't, that, that takes a lot of bravery to do it live. I mean, out loud to people to hear. Oh, for sure. And it was also harder, I will say this, it was harder because my wife's parents, her, her dad is an incredible human being, but he lives for his daughter. And my dad 
loved loved us so much and really enjoyed being with us more than really anything. So I'm also coming and I'm seeing and I'm around men that I fully respect that are different than me and don't have the same idea. So I'm like, man, I'm the outcast. So that also like leads into those pieces. So, I mean, if there's anyone that's listening and you're kind of in that position, like you're not alone, you're definitely not alone. 100%. I think that's a, that's a really important, important thing is you need to be in a circle of men who can be honest and, and upfront and feel safe, but also know that they might be challenged in some of their beliefs. That's yep. why I actually created the brotherhood of fatherhood. It's like guys need a community. They need to be able to express what they're really thinking and get help where it needs to be helped. They need to be helped and have a community. Um, so Kale, you know, obviously if someone's a gym owner, they should check out gym launch. I mean, please do. If you, <laughs> you want to make more money and reach more people and change more lives. That would be amazing. But yeah. And, uh, I will say like your content, <laughs> You, you do a good job because you wear some crazy stuff that draws attention really fast. You like uh, some printed button up sleeveless shirt in one of the recent ads. And I, I'm like, it, brilliant. Who's not going to notice that? I think it's a sloth riding a T-Rex and the T-Rex yeah. is shooting lasers out of its eyes. Yeah. It's exactly. phenomenal. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty epic print by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. So if people want to find out more about you, that's probably the avenue I would guess. Yeah. Just, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Kale Owen, uh, C-A-L-E. So it's like the leafy green, just spelled with a C. It's the best way I can describe it. C-A-L-E-O-W-E-N. Uh, follow me on TikTok. Same thing at Kale Owen, uh, friend me on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, you name it. So happy to connect with anyone. If they have questions about this subject, um, I am personally very passionate about it as well, especially on the marriage side. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, happy to be of service and help anyone. Yeah. Thank- and I- on here and thankful for you, Scott, for doing this, because this is something that needs to happen. Um, and there needs thank to be a voice and a place for guys to be able to do this. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, thank you. And, um, I want to, I want to get on and talk about marriage again. <laughs> I'll rope you in publicly. Yeah. You can bring my wife on too. We can both oh talk. Oh my about gosh. It. That would be phenomenal. I've always wanted to do like a, a husband, wife, like combo thing. And my wife is like, and I'm like, someday I'm just going to force it because it would be so valuable for other men and other couples to hear real couples talk about what works for them. Yeah. Man. yeah, where, yeah. Do live, where do you live again? I live in Texas. Where in Texas? I live in Flower Mound. It's uh, north of Dallas. Man, we should do like an in-person sometime. Be awesome. In-persons are so freaking amazing. I was, uh, uh, there's somebody I, I'm supposed to interview. And the, and the thing is, it's like, he's like, I don't do Zoom interviews. I'm like, well, you're worth the travel, but man. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But, but I understand because once you do person-person interview, it is so awesome. Totally. Uh, Kale, thanks again. I really appreciate it, brother. Scott, thank you, man. This is a blast. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Um, obviously, we love chatting with people like Kale. So take out, check out the podcast. Make sure you could leave a whatever rating you feel necessary. And uh, even a review, like that's that's where it really gets awesome. If you re- leave a review, if you have a podcast, shoot me a message. Let me listen to it. We can uh, check. I'd love to check you out because I know that's how you best can support the uh there is a, some things coming up from Brotherhood of Fatherhood. There is an event coming up. We have not announced it, but you really need to be in the know. So uh, we're going to have a waiting list. So be watching for that. If you're not in the Brotherhood of Fatherhood group, uh, you want to hop on over to that and um, get yourself in there, get yourself on our email list. And uh, if I remembered the URL, I'll, <laughs> I would say it, but we'll put it in the show notes. Check out the show notes. Um, get on that because 
the names of the people presenting and the things that we're doing um, at this next event and then events coming up are ridiculously epic. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.